Valerie's my mother's name. Rush is for white suburban boys. Anybody remember cassettes? My tumor was the Beyonce of uterine fibroids. This is the soundtrack series. The soundtrack series. The soundtrack series. Hey there, this is the soundtrack series. Stories about songs, the soundtrack to our lives, part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Dana Rossi. Coming up later on the show, writer and filmmaker Aaron Wolf uses the Dinosaur Jr. cover of Just Like Heaven to illustrate his journey from goth kid to popular kid right back to goth kid again. And then comes high school, and high school comes, and we, we're trying to hold on to this sort of like innocence, this like this youthful exuberance towards all this new stuff. We're, we're still borrowing my dad's Betamax and, and doing lip syncs to like Cure songs and cracking um, egg whites into our hair to make our hair look like Robert Smith. So then we get into high school, and things start to alter. Um, drugs enter the equation. We're smoking a lot of weed and hanging out with some older kids, and Amit has like a panic attack, and Jacob decides he's going to focus on his acting, and suddenly I kind of find myself alone with these older kids who want to hang out on Friday night, and that's how I end up in Pete's mom's red Fortour station wagon. But first, ch-ch-ch-changes, I'll just say it, this is... Our last episode as part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. And, but not our last episode, period. Uh, a vampy revamped soundtrack series podcast drops Tuesday, October 20th. So let me just explain everything here to you. A lot is changing. And first I want to say, though, that Infinite Guest, American Public Media, they were great. It's so bizarre, actually. The thing about, in my head, since 1993, every time that I've gone through some kind of change, whatever that has been, whether it's been a new job, a new apartment, when I got bangs, whatever, I always, for a split second, as I'm changing, saying goodbye to the old thing, hello to the new thing, for a split second in my head, I think of the line in Mary Jane's Last Dance where he says, said I dig you, baby, but I've got to keep moving on. So that's what's happening here. I dig American public media, but... I got to keep moving on. So this is the last episode with Infinite Guest, American Public Media. But also, this is the last episode in this format, as you have known it. Because I should tell you, and I I haven't really said anything on here yet, but I I should tell you that the live show, the live soundtrack series, has come to an end. Our last show was the one we did this past August at QED in Astoria, the one with Tyler Coates, Julia Rossi, Dennis Dunaway from the Alice Cooper group and from Aaron, actually, the story that you're going to hear later in the episode. And it was great. This was five years of producing and hosting a live show in a couple of different cities, a few different venues within those cities. And it's been an incredible experience. The thing is, though, and I, if I'm being totally honest, I just started to get bored with it. Not the stories or the performers, not that, but the routine of it. It had been going on for five years in exactly this way, and I wanted to change. I want to see how else we can tell stories about songs. So that's what the new podcast is going to look like. I'm not going to tell you exactly what the new format is. And it's funny. It's funny I'm even telling you that the format is changing at all. Because you know how you listen to a particular radio station and you do it every day, Maybe at a certain time every day, your morning drive, your afternoon drive. And so you listen to that station every day. And then all of a sudden, you listen to it yesterday. And now today you go to listen. And it's completely different. You had been listening to pop 
and now it's a classic rock station and Johnny Fever's saying Boogar and you have no idea what's going on because no one ever told you ahead of time that the format of the radio station was going to change. At least I have never heard a warning that a radio station's format was going to change from this kind of music to this kind of music. I would love to know if anybody has ever heard the exact moment a format has switched. I, maybe I just don't know enough about radio to know, you know, how that does work and if it's in the middle of the night or, or whatever. I probably could have Googled it before getting on this microphone. But I would love to know what it sounds like at the exact moment. I just know that yesterday I was listening to Led Zeppelin on this station and now it's R. Kelly. So these are two completely different stations. But anyway, you're never told. But this is not a radio station. This is me in my closet with soundproofing foam up around it and a really cute little lamp hung on the rod where all of the coats would hang and 45s hanging on the wall that I, I couldn't play. They are scratched beyond playability. I found them on the side of the road. But this is my little studio. This is not a radio station. And so I wanted to tell you that the format is going to be changing. It is always going to be stories about music in our lives how it affects us, how it marks us, carries us, holds our hand, spits in our face, always. That will not change. Just the how will change a little bit. I don't want to tell you too much of what the new podcast will look like, but I will tell you this. The first episode of the new Soundtrack Series podcast will be on Tuesday, October 20th, and it will be the premiere of an audio documentary that I've been working on called I'm in a Band, which is about the universal experience of being in a band in high school. I was in a band called The Demands, which was me and my two best friends. One was a bass player and one was a drummer. But we would play like every day after school. And pretty much the minute I got to school, it was just we were just thinking about how we would get together afterwards. And I think we were originally called The Outcats. And I had a logo all set up for us. And somehow that changed The Demands which was going to be awesome because our first album was going to be called Meet the Demands. We played in a bass player's garage, and it was just that energy of being in a high school band where it's more just about, well, being friends and just making each other laugh, but then also the fact that, like, you hit a chord through a, an amp, and it's like the most amazing. It's like you invented it. Like, I invented this G power chord. And, like, the first time we played some covers... The Who or something. It was we were just falling all over it. We were, we were incredibly like passionate about it and just pretty much thought we'd rule the world. Yeah, like that. Stories from everyone, from people whose band lasted exactly one rehearsal to people whose band that they basically started in high school wound up in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That is coming at you October 20th. And so lastly, let me just say this. Thank you. Thank you to Waltz Astoria, QED, Le Poisson Rouge, Videology, the Museum of the Moving Image, Latage, Tin Angel, the Long Center, and the North Door for giving us a stage and a microphone to tell stories about songs to a live audience. To everyone who told a story at the live shows, to everyone who worked on the live show, wrote about the show, told a friend about the show, represented the show in an official capacity, or came to the show even just once. And of course, to all of you who listen to the podcast who keep listening, who will tell people about it. You have made the last five years the best of my life. And finally, of course, thank you to APM for letting us sit at the cool kids table this past year. That was awesome. This let's have people tell stories about the memories they attach to certain songs pretty much fell out of the sky and hit me on the head 
just like the script for Goodwill Hunting does in Mindy Kaling's play Matt and Ben, you know? Yeah, this idea fell out of the sky, hit me on the head on a walk home from the gym in 2009, right around the time Michael Jackson died. And I had no idea that it would get this far. Thank you. Now let's see where else it can go. Thank you, Bjork. All right. Our story for this episode is from writer-filmmaker Aaron Wolf and how, just like heaven, but the Dinosaur Jr. version is the perfect illustration of how he went from goth kid to popular kid, right smack back to goth kid. So, at the sound of the first honk, I'm off the couch and I'm racing down the stairs. I burst out the front of the, the house. I leap over the ditch in the front yard that's going to eventually become the foundation to the new entrance to the house that will eventually be sold to Sarah Jessica Parker, which will lead to the eventual realization that without a shadow of a doubt, I have taken a shit in the same bathroom as Ferris Bueller. But that doesn't cross my mind at that moment because I'm 15 and there are cool kids waiting to pick me up in their mom's Ford Taurus station wagon. And when you're 15 and there are cool kids on a Friday night, there is no future. And I run down the, the last three steps to the, to the street and I climb into the back of, of Pete's car and I'm sitting next to Meredith and, and her sweater boobs. I fell in love with Meredith the first time. Like Basically, Meredith is like to me, two boobs macrame into like an alpaca mountain range. Like I am in love with her desperately. Um, and she, she like, she may have a face, like I'm not sure. And, and um, she turns to me and she says, tonight we're going to the cube. It's gonna change your life. And I'm like, wow, what's the cube? And she kind of smiles and I hear this sort of laugh next to her. And I look and it's, it's Steve, who's this sort of like skinny, wiry kid whose hobbies are skateboarding and huffing nitrous. And, and Steve has, has this sort of like goyish can-do attitude that allows him to be like a drug dealer and like part of a guerrilla art project and, and not be afraid of getting caught. You know, like so he's, he, his thing is that he, he tags the letters LPS all over Teaneck High School. Like they're literally these three letters. No one knows what they mean, but they're all over the high school. There are stickers, there, there's graffiti, there are t-shirts. I've got a t-shirt that says LPS. I have no idea what LPS means. And the other half of his like guerrilla art project is sitting in the passenger seat and he's Moose. Moose used to be called Mouse when he was younger and he used to get picked on by dentists' children. Um, but I didn't know him as this little kid. I knew him as this like big guy with this like oversized flannel shirt and a nose ring and a tattoo of um, a naked nurse on a Vespa, which was awesome, obviously. And um, and had I known Moose when he was Mouse, I wouldn't have cared because the other thing is when you're when you're 16 and, and, and it's Friday night, there's no future, but there's also no past. That's how I get to be in this car in the first place. I am not a cool kid. I wasn't a cool kid ever when I moved to Teaneck in fourth grade, I was not even on the cool kid spectrum. Like I was a sweatpants and belt kind of kid. Um, 
I got, I got made fun of by Sharuz Hamidi Hashemi, and if you knew who Sharuz Hamidi Hashemi was, you would know that that was really, really lame. Um, when I moved to Teaneck, essentially the entire clarinet section of the, of the elementary school like, had a party, because like, a dorkier kid had arrived. And <laughs> I had two friends, I had two friends, I had this, this kid named Amit, who was like, sort of my best friend, and he kind of hated me. And then I had, I had Jacob. <laughs> And Jacob I met on the first day of school. Um, he refused to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, he, he declared to, in front of the entire fifth grade class that he was um, a communist and that it was counter-revolutionary to, to pledge allegiance to anything. And I was like, that's awesome. And then an hour later, he got caught with a Playboy in his backpack. And I was like, that's amazing. I want to be your best friend. And we became best friends, the three of us, Amit, Jacob, and I, would, we, we, would, we would do everything together. We would hang out in his, in his basement and, and like in, live lifetimes in his basement. We would we stole cigarettes from the Grand Union and smoked them in his basement, and we would, we would play video games, and we played this, like, this game. We would, we would wrestle and try to throw each other into one of Jacob's hump bears, which were um, teddy bears that he would hump. And, um, and if you lost, if you got thrown into a hump bear, it was a very simple game. And Jacob was, um, wanted to be an actor, and he, he took classes with like, older kids in the city. And, and one day he comes back from acting class, and he's got this video um, tape of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And so this older girl has told him that it's like, amazing, and it's gonna, it's, it's, we got to watch it together. And so we get into the basement, and we put it on, and I'm so excited, because I'm convinced it's a porno. I have no idea why, but I'm like, there's going to be boobs on this movie. And um, Jacob says, it's not a porno. It's a cult classic. It's a cult movie. And me and I get really nervous, because we're convinced that if we watch the whole thing, we're going to end up in a cult. <laughs> but we watch it, um, and, and it's, it's kind of fine, but it's like we watch the hell out of it. Um, and then that same girl tells him that he's got to get into Depeche Mode. So the summer before sixth grade, we go to a Depeche Mode concert. It's the Violator Tour in Giant Stadium. Um, it's me, Jacob, Amit, and Jacob's mom. And we, we sit there in, the, in, in like the nosebleeds. And the first band is Knights or Ebb. And it's like this bald-headed guy. And he's running around the stage. He's going, I see you, I see you, I see you. And I turn to Amit and I swear, I go, I think he's saying, I see Jews. And Amit goes, I know. And we got very, very nervous. <laughs> Up until this point, like the only live concert I'd ever seen was um, Pete Seeger. And he gets like kind of crazy. Um, <laughs> He plays his banjo out of tune occasionally. Um, so this was like a big deal for me. And then the second band comes up and it was the Jesus and Mary chain. And I'm like hit with this like wash of distortion and I'm altered on the molecular level. You know, I'm just like primed for whatever the fuck is gonna come next. And what comes next is words are very unnecessary. They can only do harm. And my mind explodes. Um, you know the scene in the movie where like the girl takes off the glasses and like lets her hair down and everyone's like, oh my God, she's beautiful? Like that was me, except instead I took off my glasses and I was a 37-year-old goth chick from Manchester. Like <laughs> that, you know? And I'm like, we're writing poetry about planet Earth soaring through the cosmos and dressing in black and smoking clove cigarettes. Um, and then, and then comes high school, um, and 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 high school comes, and we we're trying to hold on to this sort of like innocence, this like this youthful exuberance towards all this new stuff. We're, we're still borrowing my dad's Betamax and and doing lip syncs to like Cure songs and cracking. Um, egg whites into our hair to make our hair look like Robert Smith. We have this like, we had this amazing moment where we, 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 we got dressed up like ministry and, and, and did a lip sync to um, Stigmata and laughed so hard that we pissed our pants, which is crazy because my most innocent memory of that time is set to the soundtrack of a band whose album was called The Land of Rape and Honey. 
So then we get into high school and things start to alter. Um, drugs enter the equation. We're smoking a lot of weed and hanging out with some older kids. And Amit has like a panic attack. And Jacob decides he's going to focus on his acting. And suddenly I kind of find myself alone with these older kids who want to hang out on Friday night. And that's how I end up in Pete's mom's red four-tour station wagon. And we're driving like at light speed down Route 4. And someone hands me a joint. And there's Fugazi on the, on the radio. And I'm sort of like a little bit excited, a little bit nervous, a little bit in over my head. But I could also feel like this is everything that I've ever wanted in my life is just to be one of the cool kids and I say like I kind of manage to like squeak this like so what's the cube guys and they're like oh you guys gonna, it's amazing you're gonna see just wait till you see and we pull off route four into the parking lot of the Riverside Square mall and Pete turns the lights off on his car and we're just like coasting through the mall in darkness and I start to get really nervous because um, I'm like this is, is, the, is the cube like some like weird like gang initiation thing and I'm going to end up on like the you know movie of the month um, and 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 I and and, and um, and then I'm like, oh wait, is the cube like some weird hallucinogenic drug? Like, am I gonna do some drugs and like freak out? Like, I, everything starts to feel dangerous and scary. And then we park in the darkest part of the parking lot near the highway. And um, we're sort of sitting there for a while. And then the car is flooded in light. And pizza's down and we all get down. And my head is in Meredith's lap. And she smells like coconut oil and patchouli and like yarn. And I, I wanna like, <laughs> marry her and hump her and make out with her belt and and um and then I look up and I see this mall cop car like drive by that's what had that's what it had been the danger and it drives off into the darkness and then Pete says okay on three we run and I say okay and he goes one two three and the doors fly open and everyone starts running and I just start running after them I have no idea where we're going but I know that if I don't keep up I'm going to be left for dead a mile and a half from my parents house but I'm gonna be left for dead and, and I see where Pete's running. He's running towards this like low wrought iron fence. And behind the fence, there's this like low line of, of bushes. And he jumps over the fence and he jumps over the bushes. And then behind the bushes is this huge orange sign. It's the only thing lit up in the entire parking lot. It says Riverside Square Mall. It's this huge square orange sign. And Pete ducks under the sign and up into it. And I jump over the fence and jump over the, the hedges and I climb up inside it and then I'm inside the cube. The sign is a big square for Riverside Square, very clever marketing. And inside the square is the cube and the cube is awful. It's this like shitty, bright fluorescent lit like sign on the side of Route 4. And it kind of smells like piss. And there's the walls are covered in LPS tags and there's like beer bottles on the floor. And again, I can't stress this enough. It's like really fucking bright. It's like really, it's like enough to see for miles and miles and we're inside of it. And um, someone hands me a cigarette and like a bottle of like two buck chuck and, and I'm smoking and I'm like feeling nauseous because of the pee and the cigarette and the, and the wine that's like barely wine. And um, we're sitting on these like, in, in this like scaffolding, which could be cool. It could be like, um, you know, Lost Boys or something like that. But again, it's fucking like sear eye searingly bright in there. And 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 Steve starts making out with Meredith and and uh and Moose is tagging up on the wall. And, and all I can think of is like, how fucking long are we gonna be in here? And it turns out like really, really long, like just hours and hours and hours. <laughs> and finally, finally, um Pete's like, hey, we should probably go, guys. On count of three, let's run back to the car. And like, we're like, okay, great. And we run back and I try to muster up the excitement, but like 
like, what the fuck is the mall cop gonna do? Like, we were inside the sign. Like, big fucking deal, right? He's not gonna arrest us. You guys should not have been in that sign. So we climb back in the car, and Pete says, I'll drop you off first, Aaron. And he puts on Aerosmith, and I fucking hate Aerosmith. And it, the whole thing just sort of felt like this, like, deflating moment. And we pull up outside of my parents' house, and Meredith says, I'll see you next weekend? And I go, yeah, yeah, that sounds fantastic. And I leave. And the next weekend, I don't go with them to the Cube. I call up Amit and Jacob, and we go to Jacob's basement, and I borrow my dad's Betamax, and we crack egg whites into our hair, and we do a lip sync to uh, Just Like Heaven, and then we go upstairs and wrestle and go to sleep. And as we fall asleep, all three of us, beyond a shadow of a doubt, are having the same two thoughts. One is, I hope I never, ever get any older than this moment, and two, I hope I'm not sleeping with the hump bear. Thanks. <laughs> Yes, Aaron Wolf. The place all the cool kids went in my high school was this big gazebo-like thing called the Indian Tower. I've never been. And that's it. That's our episode for this go-round. Tune in October 20th for an all-new soundtrack series. And you'll still be able to find us in most of the usual places. Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundtrackSeries.com, SoundCloud, your already existing subscription, your favorite podcast app, and right there in front of you all along. This is the Soundtrack Series, proud to have been part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. Thanks for listening. <laughs>